0: Podcast number 34, July 11th, 2022. Hello everyone, I'm Paula Bach, author of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. This podcast follows the written version of my blog with additional extemporaneous thoughts and editorials. Read one and listen to the other for a complete understanding of today's message. (laughs) And by the way, before I tell you what the title is, I had some real challenges in spelling Gallop. And poll. I guess it's important to find the humor when we make mistakes. Took me three tries, but I think I've got it right now. And by the way, my spell check never caught it. So what is the title of today's podcast? Gallup poll, and this was a recent one. 81% of Americans believe in God. But does God still believe in America? Secularism. Is it working? The question we have to ask ourselves is, have schools lost their moral compass? Being a podcaster, I'm going to let you answer that because we all have our own opinions. I'm going to read to you from Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child, which is, of course, an autobiographical journey of a 46-year educator. And here we go from the book. Whose morals and whose God shall the public schools embrace. This statement continues to be the one which prohibits any conversation of bringing morals, decency, and respect back into the classroom. In 1962, the Supreme Court asked the God of Christians and Jews, in essence, to vacate the public schools. Actually, the ruling dealt with mandated school prayer, but Politicians and some educators use the ruling to oust the very reference to the God of creation. And I can tell you about this firsthand. I'm a choral director, that is, I do choirs. I've done choirs for 46 years. In the latter years of my teaching, any time we had a song that was a traditional religious context song of mentioning God, Lord, Jesus, or Christ... I would always have one to two students who would question my authority of bringing that music into the classroom. And I was very lucky that I could always quote what the Supreme Court said, and it's about mandating and coercing students as opposed to voluntary. And almost every time I introduced any kind of religiosity in my music in the last few years of my teaching, I would have one to three students who would opt out of singing that piece and my answer to them was I celebrate it we have men and women who today are giving their lives so that these students can stand up and say I don't want to sing that music and I celebrate that I had two potential lawsuits but because we have a lot of people who are well informed about how the Supreme Court stands They never came to fruition. Central administration always backed me up. According to an article, however, published in the Examiner, no one should be surprised by the results. So these are statistics that have happened over the last few decades. So I want to emphasize the word decades. And here we go. Criminal arrest of teens is up 150% according to the U.S. Bureau of Census. Teen suicides in ages 15 through 19 years, up 450% according to the National Center of Health Services. And just as an aside, here I live in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and unfortunately our school systems have had to deal almost semester by semester with teen suicide. Illegal drug activity is up 6,000% according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse. And another aside, fentanyl coming in through our borders without much litigation to possession or selling has definitely upped that percentage. Going on, child abuse cases up 2,300% according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. In fact, another aside, I just read in our local newspaper about a child that died only after multiple reports had been made about the abuse her parents put her through. Divorce is up 350%, according to the U.S. Department of Commerce. SAT scores fell 10%, even though the SAT questions had been revamped to be easier to answer. And this last one I think we can all attest to. Violent crime has risen 350%. And again, I want to emphasize that's over the last few decades. So I go on from uh, Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child, and I wrote this. Floundering in the sea of godlessness, our schools and culture lost its moral compass. If we believe these facts, they indicate the damning result of a society devoid of God. If you remain skeptical that the banning of God in our schools brought about the above statistics, I will attest the classrooms I taught in the 1970s through the 90s proved themselves kinder and gentler and far less drama than the classrooms of today. And I would remind the listener that I retired in 2017. In my opinion, it will only worsen in a complacent society who continues to support curriculum with no moral direction. Several weeks ago, my husband, who played and coached Division I basketball, by the way, he was a star, received recognition at his parochial high school in Indiana. In fact, as another side, he was in he is in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. I just have to brag a little. We attended the festivities, which concluded with a basketball game. My husband's alma mater played their arch rivals from across town. We rose for the national anthem followed by a prayer. Since the home team was a Lutheran high school, starting the game with prayer was permitted. I have attended hundreds of basketball games in support of my husband, my son, and my grandchildren. The environment of this one game felt unlike any of the others. The public announcer presented the prayer articulately and with passion the plea petitioned god to watch over the game keeping players safe and assuring the play held no malice the intensity displayed on the court made this game different with fast physical play young men careened and actually sprawled all over the floor yet no animosity between players or fans appeared at any time Coaches did not rant or cuss at the referees, or their players for that matter. Young men played hard, but most importantly played fair. The opposing school brought with them a large contingency of fans, most of them African-American. Yet rival fans shouted no racial slurs and no black versus white confrontations ensued. A sense of calm prevailed. Even though vigorous emotions displayed themselves on the court, I believe, and I felt comfortable watching two teams battle for the win. Through prayer, the school invited God's presence at the start of the game. His attendance prevailed throughout the evening. I believe it made a difference. So, the recent Supreme Court ruling explained. What about the most recent Supreme Court ruling regarding a coach praying on school grounds? As usual, the mainstream and social medias misled the public when explaining the actions of the court. Note the following headlines. MSNBC, quote, SCOTUS's conservative wing is set to make a mockery of the separation of church and state. And from NBC, quote, a coach coerced students to pray and the Supreme Court just said it was okay. Vox, I quote, the Supreme Court hands the religious right a big victory by lying about the facts of the case. CNN, and I quote again, Supreme Court further erodes separation between church and state in case of praying football coach. I believe the Associated Press did the best reporting, and you can find the direct link to their article on my blog. I'm going to read to you verbatim what AP, Associated Press, said. Claim. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that teachers, staff, and coaches can now lead students in prayer in public schools. AP's assessment. Missing context. The nation's highest court said that a public high school football coach was protected by the Constitution when he knelt and prayed on the field after games. However, the ruling specified that it was private speech, and the justices in the majority emphasized the fact that the coach prayed after the games were over when he was not responsible for students. Constitutional lawyers say the ruling does not give school employees unfettered freedom to lead students in prayer at school. The Facts As the public reacts to the Supreme Court's ruling on Monday in support of a coach who knelt to pray on the field after games, several misleading claims about the scope of the decision have circulated widely on social media. Quote, SCOTUS just ruled 6-3 to that teachers, staff, and coaches can now lead students in prayer in public schools, one Facebook post read. Another win. Here's another quote. Supreme Court passed prayer allowed back in schools today. Whoop, whoop. But constitutional law experts say These comments distort the ruling, which said school employees could pray in a private capacity but did not endorse teachers leading students in prayer during instructional time. Justice Neil Gorsuch, who wrote the majority opinion, said that the coach prayed during a period when school employees were free to speak with a friend, call for a reservation at a restaurant, check email, or attend to other personal matters and while his students were otherwise occupied. Constitutional lawyers said, while many disagree the coach's actions were private speech, the majority opinion makes it clear that the scope of the decision is limited. It says only that teachers can pray in their private capacity, quietly and in isolation, said Douglas Laycock, a University of Virginia law professor who specializes in the law of religious liberty. Laycock said there is an ambiguity about whether the case means teachers can now pray in the presence of students or coerce them to join in while claiming this speech is private, but he said he doesn't think the court has gone that far yet. When the biology teacher leads his students in prayer in the classroom, it is much more difficult to pretend that that is still isolated and in his private capacity, Laycock said. But we will see schools and teachers pushing the envelope, and courts will have to decide these cases. Jessica Levinson, a Loyola Law School professor who focuses on constitutional law, agreed, saying the online claims are a stretch because the majority explicitly say that this is his private speech. She goes on to state, there's a legitimate question about whether or not a high school football coach in uniform at a game is truly engaging in private speech. But once you pass that threshold, she goes on, it is not correct to say that this means a public school teacher can come into class and say, we're doing geology today, but first let us bow our hearts, our heads and pray. So I wanted to add to this podcast today my own perspective of why people pray. First, let me state in all transparency that I am a Christian and a citizen of this republic. I support private and student-led prayers in any venue, including public schools. I do not support coerced, mandated prayers of any religion by any governmental or public school official. I believe the Constitution and I are on the same side. I had the opportunity to be the faculty advisor of our public high school student prayer club. The administration made it clear I could not participate with the club since it met during the school day. In fact, I could not even sit in the same room. But weekly, I would watch from my office anywhere from 20 to 50 kids raising prayers for their families and friends. If you find that offensive, my heart aches for you as you struggle comprehending the power of prayer. If you roll your eyes when someone states thoughts and prayers going out, you truly do not understand the God who made us. Perhaps you do not understand because you cannot believe there even is a God. I get that. When I read about school shootings, I question where God is constantly. In my own personal life, I've had doubts about God's ability to protect me and my family. When I spent 46 years as a successful educator and was summarily fired from my position, I screamed at God all the way home. How could this God of grace, who gave me my passion to teach, allow my enemies to end my career? But out of the ashes rose the phoenix. I wrote a book about my life as an educator. Every time I sat down to write, I truly felt God's presence beside me. I cried as I recalled incredible moments in my life as an educator. I laughed out loud at some of the crazy and insane episodes. And after I finished my book, I humbly thanked God through prayer for the opportunity to teach for over four decades. I firmly believe there will come a day when all humanity, no matter what belief system they adhere to, must stand before their creator and reconcile their life. Did they practice the golden rule? Did they manifest good character on all occasions? Did they lead a life of unconditional love and grace? No one will be able to answer yes to those three questions. No one. But through prayer, we can seek God's discernment and wisdom to live our lives to glorify him. And how do we accomplish this? By raising up, sometimes hour-by-hour or even minute-by-minute conversations with God. This is called prayer, and it is powerful. Justice Gorsuch wrote, Respect for religious expressions is indispensable to life in a free and diverse republic, whether those expressions take place in a sanctuary or on a field, and whether they manifest through the spoken word or a bowed head. If you believe there isn't a God, you may think you will never have to answer to anyone. If you are right, then I confess I will be sorely disappointed that my life was of no consequence and death is just mere dust. But if I am right and life as we know it is never assured, now is the time, dear friends, to seek God through prayer. I'm going to offer up a prayer for all of us, and I hope this makes a difference in your life. Father God, please allow your people to not only sense your presence, but understand your capacity to hear and answer prayer. Help us to understand that the answer is no, not now, or be patient, are your gifts to us, so we may prepare for life's challenging journey. We ask that every parent would share the gift of prayer with their children and encourage them to find refuge in you. We implore that our government not see prayer as a threat, nor the invoking of your name as dangerous. Let us truly renew our vision. In God we trust, amen. Rescue the Teacher Save the Child you can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble According to the Wall Street Journal teachers are leaving their positions in greater numbers than ever before What's the truth here Educators do not commit their passion to teach believing untold wealth awaits them The purposely concealed story National Teacher Shortage is Due to a Dominating Hostile Work Environment Created by the People Educators Serve. Order your copy today. It's received 14 five-star ratings. I wish more people would read it, and I wish more teachers would be able to see what I've put out there for them to use as a journal. And by the way, the book won the 2020 Top Shelf Nonfiction Book Award. Contact me and I will help any school board or school district implement the Golden Rule project. If you go to my blog, there's a link to that project and it explains exactly what it is. Thank you everybody for listening. May you have a prayerfully wonderful great week.